0: Hello oh, and welcome to Even the Trunchbull, our show about children's books and why we still love them as adults. She's Nina. They're Matt.
1: And we think that children's books are for everyone because we've all been kids. Even, Even the, the trunchbull. trunchbull.
0: They're all mistakes, children. Filthy nasty things. Glad I never was one.
1: From Roald Dahl's beloved Matilda despite her protestations. Each episode, we review one picture book and one chapter book. We started off with books that we read as kids, but if you've got a book that you'd like us to review, especially if you are currently a kid, please get in touch.
0: You can email us on eventhetrunchbull at gmail.com or catch us on Twitter and Facebook at TrunchbullPod and on Instagram at eventhetrunchbull.
1: And this week, we've got a very special guest, Rob Valentine. Hello. Thank you very much for... uh... Asking me on. No worries at all. So you are an award-winning audio drama producer, writer, director, etc. Obviously, we, we we first came across your work around Christmas time with your Howl's Moving Castle adaptation.
0: That was so good. We really enjoyed that.
2: Oh, thank you very much. It was a wonderful thing to uh, adapt. I must admit, to my shame, I hadn't read it before I'd been given oh, wow. the, uh, the job to adapt it. It was a wonderful read, but I, I knew that... If we're going to make this work, I need to jettison so much of this great great stuff just to kind of drill yeah. down to the to the core and it was really nice having a uh, a Christmas story on on Radio four yeah
1: so what else have you been up to since is the what what are you' working on at the minute
2: Well at the moment, I'm writing an awful lot of Doctor Who so uh, Doctor Who um, adventures for Big Finish for various different doctors and other characters in the Doctor Who universe the other thing I'm doing is there's a new uh, podcast sitcom from Rusty Quill called Cry Havoc and I'm writing a couple of episodes of that it's a sitcom about uh, Gaius Octavius and Mark Antony and uh, all their bureaucratic headaches of trying to run the (laughs) tram for it after the assassination of Julius Caesar
1: fantastic
0: should we talk about our books? Yeah. Oh yes, please. <laughs> so, what book have you chosen, Rob?
2: Well, the book I've chosen is um, a picture book by Janet and Alan Olberg called "Each Peach Pear Plum," Fantastic which I think m- most most people have heard of. Yeah. Um, I think it's just one of the, the most deep-founding stories for me. It goes back as far back as I can remember, yeah. and it's just one of the most influential things on my. Little imagination, I think. I must confess, I I haven't read it in years because I don't need to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the first line is there, and each line just leads to the next. So I just look at the pictures yeah. because the words are there forever. Podcast medium isn't the best thing for it, but um it's those pick those illustrations and.
1: Don't you worry. We we dive into conversations about illustrations every episode. <laughs>
2: How one line leads from the next, and just those pictures—the pictures do exactly the same thing as the, yeah. the story itself does. Hmm. And uh, I, to this day, I find that captivating. It was, it was still a relatively recent book when I was the right age to come to it initially, but uh, it's never gone away. It's—it uh, it is one of those books that is uh, has been a constant. For, no, I
0: had it as well. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: I—I I insist on buying it for nieces and nephews and. Yeah. Uh, children yeah. of friends and stuff even now. And it's yeah. still,
1: when I went to pick it up, I sort of went into water I have you got each peach pear plum? Yeah, of course we do. And it's like on one of the central <laughs> tables, there's a big mountain of like, which yeah. would, would you like the paperback? Do you want the cardboard version? Like, yeah, yeah, they're
2: all in the each peach pear plum aisle. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, would one of you like to do a bit of a reading? or Rob, do you want to recite it?
2: I can do it from memory. I'll, I'm, Go on. I'm, each peach pear plum... I spy Tom Thumb. Tom Thumb in the cupboard. I spy Mother Hubbard. Mother Hubbard in the cellar. I spy Cinderella. Cinderella on the stairs. I spy the three bears. Three bears out hunting. I spy Baby Bunting. Baby Bunting. Rob's in trouble. No, wait, wait, wait. (laughs) (laughs) Baby Bunting fast asleep. I spy Bo Peep. Bo Peep on the hill. I spy Jack and Jill. Jack and Jill in the ditch. <gasps> I spy the Wicked Witch, who does not look wicked at all. Um, the Wicked Witch over the woods. I spy Robin Hood. Does he belong in this? I'm not really sure, but he's in it. Uh, <laughs> Robin Hood uh, in his den. I spy three bears again. Three bears still hunting. And in both pictures, little bear should not be given a gun because it keeps going off. Uh, three bears still hunting. They spy <laughs> Baby Bunting. Baby Bunting... Baby bunting, it's not safe and sound, is it? No, baby baby bunting... Oh, it's safe and dry. Safe and... Baby, baby bunting, safe and dry. I spy a Plum Pie. Plum Pie in the sun. Oh, I spy everyone. Everyone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well
1: done.
0: Very well done. You can see that that's imprinted inside you. I read it with a child the other day, and this was a child who'd never seen it before, and he guessed the last line. <laughs> you don't even. Like, yeah. He guessed. Yes! I spy everyone because you can see them in the picture before that, all peeking from around the trees. You know what's going to happen.
2: And and the way th- and that function, the way the illustrations work with the language, is what makes it so magical. Um, yeah. That and that's just the, just the, a wonderful example of it. Um, but it is that thing of every single illustration leads on to the next yeah. as well.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
2: and it's just that delight of um all the, all the fairy tales and robin hood but all the fairy tales existing together you yeah. know in this in, in this
1: <laughs> landscape you know in in any one of these fairy tales that you read on its own you're just a small sort of moment of chance away from bumping into someone from another story you just happen not to <laughs>
0: like
1: they all live in this same little place
0: i think the illustrations are so good as well because Children who don't know how to read yet are better at reading illustrations because when we learn how to read, we focus, we go left to right and we go into the middle. Yeah. The character that's gonna be on the next page is always hidden on the page before. And they're quite well hidden. They're not obvious. Yeah, no, I remember mm. as a
1: kid it was a it's like a little game of where's wally every time, isn't it? Yeah. Going, <laughs> like there'll be um you can just see Jack and Jill's legs poking up yeah. over the hill. <laughs>
0: Or Mother Hubbard, you can just see her bum going up the stairs.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: yes, <yeah. laughs> and there's also so much other peripheral detail, like you know what the dog's up to and the rabbits and yeah. all that kind of thing. There's just, there's just, you know, it's it's so beautifully done.
0: And you're right, Rob. Why is Robin Hood in this?
2: I, do you know, I, I think I know why. Because he rhymes with wood. Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's probably about it, isn't it? I, it's also one of my favourite pictures. That though you've got you've got the witch and then Robin Hood shooting at her. Both of them big broad smiles. And then it cuts <laughs> to Robin Hood with his yeah, little chin yeah. beard, just sat reading a book against a tree, just chilling out. Like like shooting at stuffs, just what Robin Hood does, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, I do
2: wonder how is the conversation going to go when they're all having the pie. You know, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> How awkward is it going to be? <laughs> like or is it or is it awkward? Is it like uh, you'll get us next time, Robins? So...
0: I think that's more it.
2: Yeah, yeah I think so. it's yeah. I, I, you're right. It's it's that. It's you know it's what they do. It's what they are. Yeah. Um, and it's what it's what they always do. And I think I think mm. after after the pie's done and there's another one in the oven, they're all going to go back to
0: their archetypes, yeah. aren't they? Yes, and yeah. A really early introduction to these archetypes. Like you probably would read this book before you know about Cinderella or Mother Hubbard or Tom Thumb. Yeah. So they have to act in character.
1: I think when I first read it, I probably heard of some of them before, but not others. So then you get to find mm. out about who these other people are who crop up. I, I remember, I recall finding Bo Peep and uh, Baby Bunting more
2: obscure. I think I had, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. I, I think I'd had the Ladybird books with them in. I bring it back to Marvel again, but they are like the the Ant Man and uh, you know, <laughs> and the Star Lord of this lot. But uh,
0: it was Mother Hubbard for me. I didn't know who Mother Hubbard was.
2: Yeah,
0: happy to accept her, as you know, <laughs> she's the bum in the corner of the picture.
2: Yeah, she is. She is doomed within the kind of the narrative constraints of this to be always near the cupboard. She can't. You know, it's like <laughs> she can't escape it. You know.
0: Well, this isn't the place to break stereotype, I guess. We're going to talk a bit more about this in our chapter book where lots of stereotypes are broken, but like, at this young of an age and with this simple of a story, everybody just has to play to type.
2: Yeah. And you are forever bound by what you rhyme with. That's the trap of this universe. Yeah. That, uh...
0: <laughs> That's a piece of magic, isn't it?
2: Yes, it it, it absolutely is, yeah.
1: <laughs> I always end up doing this on this podcast, but is there a potential like, really dark dystopian reading of this where it's like everyone are these like automata that are trapped into these little narratives.
0: (laughs) It's like a really creepy, it's a small world. Yeah. (laughs) Well,
2: yes. I mean, the horror aspect of this is simply that once it, once that pie is finished, Tom Thumb goes down to the cupboard and it all begins again. (laughs) And it will, and they've been doing this for 10,000 years.
0: And this is how this book is read. Yeah. It is read over and over again by the same child. Yeah, like yeah. that, this is how this book is experienced.
2: Yeah. Yes, that that child is what keeps the universe going, and they are <laughs> and they are trapped in it forever.
0: <laughs> Do you think this is the same universe that the Jolly Postman happens in? Because I think it is. I think the Jolly Postman is just a few for when you're a little bit older than this. It's the same world the Jolly Postman goes and. Gives a letter oh, of to the three bears and
1: then to someone else. Yeah. Do you remember it, Matt? It's that same. Yeah. Yes, it's it's linking the different fairy tales together in the same yeah. way, isn't it?
0: Same authors.
1: Yeah, I,
2: yeah, I think so. It's, it's it's that thing we're very fond of talking about now, which is the the shared
1: universe. Yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. Yeah. It's, yes, the it's the Marvel completely. multiverse, yeah. but for for fairy tale <laughs> characters. I was reading this going the three bears, like this weird little hunting sort of family that just finds a baby, and they're like oh we'll just we'll keep hold of that and then we've the, got
0: a baby that now
1: <laughs> picture it's like those sort of 70s communes where the kids are raised by the whole community right yeah. like robin hood's <laughs> just sat with it on his knee like. but as you say there might be a degree of
2: oh it's baby bunting again it's back in the river
1: yeah is there a bit of that that like
0: i like that this starts as a list and at the beginning it seems like oh, this is just a list of people, and then a story emerges from the list. You don't expect a character to come back, but then, hey, here, B- Baby Bunting comes back, and the bears are coming back, and it's all right, they'll fish it out of the water. <laughs> it just starts as just words that rhyme, and then a story grows out of the pictures, I think.
2: You're absolutely right. When it commences, that it has that feeling of you're just going from one place to the next. and yeah. there And there is kind of a real satisfaction when... You spy the three bears again. Then suddenly it becomes. Uh... Yeah, and
0: it breaks the linearity a little bit. Yeah, and it's really yeah, satisfying yeah. when it's they spy baby bunting. It's like, oh, you've changed it up a bit.
1: Yeah, yeah but may- yeah, maybe that's it at the end of the whole thing. Baby bunting gets dropped back in the river. Robin Hood <laughs> gives the witch a head start before he starts shooting arrows <laughs> at her bomb.
2: What is the witch doing in the ditch? That's because she looks she looks pretty stuck as well. That's always one thing that I've been curious about. Is like, you know, why is she hanging out down there? She seems quite content.
1: Yeah, but, uh, yeah. she looks chuffed, doesn't she? So yeah. it's it's almost as if she's been waiting for.
2: I kind of feel she's got that look on her face of oh, you're stuck too, are you? Yeah. <laughs> I, I I feel less embarrassed now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I had an old dog who did that. She couldn't walk backwards, she was quite stupid. And every morning she'd walk out into the garden. And every morning she would walk into the bush and then not knowing how to reverse she'd just hang out in the bush all morning. She was like quite chill about it. She didn't mind. But like if you're Oh, where's Lagerty? Oh, she's in the bush. And you have to go out and like help her. And then she'd do the same thing the next day. She's like, Alright, little tour of the garden. Stand in the bush <laughs>
2: Yeah, it does seem we miss an episode. I I I like to think that between the three of them, Jack and Jill and the Wicked Witch manage to get themselves out of the uh the hedgerow they're quite evidently trapped in. That's kind of that's my headcanon. Well you know, they're back but, they're
1: back yeah. at the end with everyone else, aren't they? So Yeah,
0: but I th- they don't look too scratched up. I
1: think that's part of the appeal of this book as well, though, is like every, every one of these little pages invites a whole story.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Yes, yes. You could do, if we're going back to the sort of Marvel multiverse thing, you could do exactly what they've spent the last 10 years doing and have like an off branch of like everyone's little stories, be like Robin Hood and the Witch.
2: I, w- I would have loved um, a spin-off you know, series of just books focusing just largely on each character. Each peach pear plum would then be the kind of the Avengers assemble yeah. of, the, you know, <laughs> of the set. You know, it, it would have that same kind of freesome, I think.
0: What age of children would you say this book is for?
2: Well, I'm forty two.
0: So forty
2: two. Yeah. So so at least up until forty (laughs) two. But when did I give it to my niece? About four or five, I think. But uh,
0: I think you could go younger. I think. Yes.
2: Yeah. No. I think. uh, uh, I think you're right. No. Two. Two. Forty years later, I'm still. I still love it. So uh, 2 to 42, how about that? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah.
0: Excellent. Yeah, lovely. Are we ready to move on to our chapter book?
1: Oh yeah, please, yes, yeah. Fantastic.
0: Matt, you were going to introduce this one, weren't you?
1: Our chapter book is Rumesa, a fairy tale by Radia Hafiza. So it's a blending and reimagining of three classic fairy tales, which subverts both racial representation and classic gender roles from the originals. So in the first of the three stories, Ramesa is a reimagining of Rapunzel. She lets down, rather than her hair, her golden woven hijab. And then through the other two stories, she meets Cinderella and Sleeping Sarah. So this was written sort of in direct response to the lack of characters and fairy tales that Radio Hafiza could see herself in. So, she's given us a cast of brown heroes and more often heroines, and has also splashed the whole book with a sort of tongue in cheek meta side swipes at the fairy tale format, too, which includes the use of a magic pendant, which kind of acts as this semi conscious Deus Ex Machina, which links all the characters up with each other. So yeah, so I think we're going to kind of focus mainly on the first of the three stories.
0: We'll let ourselves spoil the first story so we can talk about the ending of that one, but then we'll not talk too much about the others so we don't spoil the whole book.
2: Lovely, yeah.
0: So shall we start with a cover chat? Because I really love this cover. This is, doesn't oh, happen yeah. very often in the podcast anymore, but this is really just one that I walked into a bookshop and picked up on the strength of the cover alone. I think this is gorgeous. It's sort of pinky orange and bluey green and it's got some sort of shiny green bits at the top it's not unlike the cover of the secret of haven point in construction it's sort of got a big tower in the middle and then the main character in at the top and the main character is a little brown girl wearing a hijab that's sort of flying out and down the tower and it's got this quote on it that says "Ramesa, rumesa let down your hijab. And I thought, right, sold. I'm sold yeah. on this. Like, this is a brilliant concept.
1: Yeah, I must admit, I felt like I'd cheated myself slightly but I listened to this book, um, although it's very, very well um, narrated. But yeah, I've had a look at some of the pictures of the illustrations, and it, it looks like it's wonderfully illustrated throughout as well.
0: Yeah, they're really good. They're by Raida El Tuni.
1: They look really appealing and sort of illustrations blended in with the text, yeah. as always. I, I love that. I mm. love that. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. There's the, Anything that breaks up a block page of text, I, I think is great. I yeah. think adult <laughs> books should do it more often, you know.
2: Oh yeah. They're like like base camps when you're climbing the mountain, aren't they? That's yeah. how I kind of think of them. Yeah, yeah, like... yeah,
0: yeah. I'll, I'll read us a little bit from the very beginning, actually, to give a sort of flavour of how it feels. Once upon a time, in a land quite far away... Snow was falling heavily from the dark sky, blanketing the land of splinter-fell in white. It was a night full of promise to some, for the first day of snowfall marked the beginning of winter and the coming of festivities and joy. It was time to shut up windows, spend time with loved ones, and retreat from the outside world. Not everybody could take part in such joy, though. There were some families who had less than others, and the fall of snow meant a definite end to the hopes of crops and work. So in that way it feels very classic fairy tale opening, Splinter Fell and the snow coming down and like the rich celebrating and the poor miserating, <laughs> you know? I really like that. That really pulled me in. And I love Ramesa as a character. Like she's mm. fun right away. Um she's friends with an owl who can speak to her and that she can speak to but nobody else can understand what the owl says. The owl is called Zabina. And she teases her immediately. Like, uh, Zabina comes in with, like, the news of the world because Ramesa lives up in a tower. She's locked up by a wicked witch. And Zabina comes in with, like, news of the jungle. And she says, oh, I didn't go to that neighbourhood today. I hang out by the river. And uh, Ramesa's like, oh, I, like... Uh, and then she goes, oh, yeah, I happened to see Dana, the raven. And Ramesa immediately is like, mm, that's why you went down to the river. Like She's quite cheeky. Because they're having a little
1: <laughs> relationship, aren't they?
0: Yeah. yeah. It's so quietly radical in so many little bits. Yeah. So, yeah. Zabina is a girl owl and Dana, her crush, is also a girl bird. Girl raven, like, yeah. Yeah, so it's got little lesbian birds. But it's not really mentioned. Like The word lesbian isn't mentioned, the word gay isn't mentioned, but it's just in there yeah. all the way through these like little radical moments. So Ramesa is a Rapunzel retelling. Ramesa gets locked up in her tower by the Wicked Witch. And I think if we compare this Wicked Witch to the Wicked Witch of each peach pear plum, she's quite different. She's described as beautiful. And slender and white with red lips. And she's called Cordelia, which is quite a pretty name. It's sort of upending that, you know, ugly people are bad and pretty people are good thing that you get yes, in yeah. fairy tales.
2: And also, she's truly wicked. Um, yeah. And, and the, one of the things that struck me um, about her is her willful mispronunciation of a yeah. name name, yeah. Which, which is an act of racism yeah that's what it she she is a racist witch that's what makes witches wicked cordelia is properly evil um in a in a real way not just the kind of you know not in just the the enchanted vegetable patch way it's 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 proper real world evil and it that and the fact that's in there
1: is fantastic the witch like there's little moments where it's like when she's talking about Oh, with all this gold you've been spinning for me. We're gonna get move away and live in a palace, and like you're gonna be there with me. And it's like I can kind of see where it's like you don't necessarily believe that you're evil. You are. Yeah. Yeah. Like she literally treats her like an animal. Like she feeds her oats and describes the place as looking like a stable. Yeah. But there's that. She seems to have this sense of like, oh, well, obviously I'm doing this all for you. Like I'm providing everything you need. Which then. Is like more evil and more scary yeah. than the like, capital E fairy tale evil,
2: and you know, they live in a in Splinterfell. Where it sounds European, and so so much is inferred about uh, the balance of power between yeah. them. Yeah, uh, and I thought that was just so well done. Yeah, because yeah. it's it's unavoidable, but it's not it's not dwelt upon. Like like as you say with uh, with Sabina's crush. Yeah, but it's inescapable and it's there. Yeah. And it makes it feel utterly, utterly contemporary, yeah. um, despite yeah. the despite the fairy tale setting. It's about now, mm-hmm. um, and the other thing I thought, just again on that, is just the language um, Ramesa uses. It's uh, you know, okay, yeah, sure, it, it's contemporary English. Yes, um, there's no kind of pretension to you know, cod 17th century. Yeah, these are contemporary stories, and they're written by someone who was bored temping, which is something I
1: hugely empathise with. Yeah. It's that direct address that's so lovely. And there's like one of my favourite quotes I picked out when she does escape from the tower, there's a lad there on a flying carpet who crucially hasn't helped her, like her agency in escape, like she's escaped herself. But he's saying where he comes from and she goes, Oh I haven't heard of that. Though she hadn't heard many places to be fair, she didn't really get out much. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so it's just it's like, like proper pithy little jokes.
0: Yeah. There's this really good bit in here that I want to read about like the power of seeing yourself represented in a book. Ramesa refused to let sleep take her drooping eyes just yet. She opened up her favourite book, 1001 Nights. It had beautiful drawings of palaces and animals, women in hijabs and men in magnificent robes. It was a relief to step into someone else's life and escape her tower room if even just for a moment. It was the only book Ramesa owned where the characters had similar names to her and shared her skin colour. All her other books had names like Cordelia's. That's just so real, and it just feels like it's been taken directly from Radia Hafiza's own life, you know. There's a little bio of her at the end that says she grew up reading and loving books where she couldn't see herself.
1: There's a few of those little meta moments yeah. as well throughout that I love that she doesn't shy away from that. There's points where she sort of steps out and says, like, jabs fun really directly at how daft the original fairy tale structure is. Yeah. Like, when um, she is escaping and this lab shows up and is sort of vaguely useless and has been led <laughs> there by this pendant, and she's climbing down this, you know, this huge tower that, like, it's taken the owl several minutes to fly down so it's like miles high and she says um she mutters to herself when i need someone to break me out no one shows up for years and years but the night i'm hanging from a sky high tower then some boy wants to show up
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> and he's you know he's a little sort of it gives slight like aladdin vibes as well doesn't it like the boy showing up like, they could have a I-can-show-you-the-world moment, but they don't. Yeah. And
2: Yes, yeah. But
0: Sabina's really suspicious of him. I think that's right.
2: But I love the fact, he, he, it really feels like he has come out of a completely different story.
0: Yeah.
2: And again, it's that um, that expanded universe thing.
0: Yeah.
1: All of these stories, like, all of the primary characters are female. Yeah. They've got their own agency, and mm. if they are aided by other people, they're aided by other female characters. Yeah, I really like, like that. Like, be that they owls it. or people. And when, like, the boys show up, invariably they just kind of <laughs> muddle in and get things wrong and make things more difficult for yeah. everyone. Like I think that in this one, the lad on the carpet shows up one of the first things he says is, um, I'm a bit lost, actually. Can you tell me? <laughs> <laughs> like, he has, just, as you say, just, like, wandered in from a different story. Yeah. What well, I well, like I about
0: thinking. Ramesa is that she's not a princess. The boy, uh, he's called Suleiman, isn't he? And he's like, oh, have you seen the princess? And she's like, (laughs) what? (laughs) (laughs) She's an ordinary person. I really like that. And I really like that even though we sort of catch up with her when she's been in the tower for years and she's about to make her successful escape attempt, I like that she's been attempting the whole time. There's just some quick flashbacks to like, oh, she tried to fly out with Zabina, but obviously she was too heavy. Or she tried to pretend that she was sick so that like, the witch would take her out to a healer, but the witch just told her to stop complaining. Like, she's not waiting to be saved. She yeah. has been trying to get out this whole time. And I thought that was really good. She's not a damsel in distress at all.
1: What do we think about, like, the male gender representation as well? There's a bit of subversion there, too, isn't there?
0: I mean, to be honest, I think this book doesn't care as much about the boys, and I like that.
1: But there was still a bit of, like, because he shows up on this carpet and he's out to save this princess and he doesn't seem too bothered. And she's like, do you want to save her? And he's like, it's a bit, I prefer being indoors, to be honest. But (laughs) my parents think this is what a noble boy should be doing. So there's that kind of pressure from the previous generation to be like, go on, go and...
0: Go and do the boy things outside. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
1: But it's like, there's a nice message for boys in that as well, is that, you know, it's pointing out that that pressure comes externally, and that you don't have to do that. And it's fine to want to be a bit more indoorsy and not do that. And it's like, it feels like there's a real arm around the shoulder for the boys in this story. It's like... This isn't this isn't about you. You're not the focus, and you might have some feelings about that because you're used to being the focus. <laughs> but it's okay because that isn't your fault. Like do you know, what I mean, it's got this real sort of. It
0: is quite sympathetic to the boys, even when they're useless. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> it's a relief, but it's, it's not his quest. It's you know, her yeah. her liberation is is her that's her that's her thing. Yeah, he's you know he he he's turned up for something else entirely, and he's just found this poor guy's found himself stuck in this rather terrifying forest, uh, which is really terrifying. Oh, can we talk about the forest? Yeah, yeah.
0: So, Ramesa's tower seems to have been built by the witch, purpose-built to keep her prisoner. And she's also purpose-built this sentient forest. There's this terrifying bit where you realise that it's sentient. There's like a storm, and a branch cracks off, and another branch reaches out and catches it and sort of jams it back in. It's so scary and then when they're creeping out they're like creeping through the forest trying not to wake up the trees. Can you imagine? You're in a forest trying not to make a noise and the trees might wake up and grab you.
1: That's pure Hitchcock that is I thought that was. And all the trees have got big poisoned thorns on them as well.
0: That are the same colour as Cordelia's lips. I thought that was so good.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, think, I mean, the suspense in that scene was just—it was so rich. Then Cordelia's voice calling out, "I've got a thing about the people who are after you in the distance." Yeah. I don't know why. It's just a—you know—it's like with Lord of the Rings, with the Black Riders, is just specks on the horizon. Yeah. yeah. It's just—it's just they're a long way away, but they're coming. It's, yeah.
1: it's something about that just always gives me the creeps. Yeah. The action sequences yeah. in this are great, aren't mm. they? Like again, talking about Marvel, like the end of this first bit, the showdown with the witch felt like a real kind of like big Marvel Endgame showdown. And to write that and write that in a kids' book is is quite impressive to get that right. I think. Well, I know we don't want to talk about the next ones very much,
2: but um, just when you were talking about um, the fact that Cordelia does have uh, levels to her. Um, the the wicked stepmother. Mm-hmm. Again, we have the wicked witch and the wicked stepmother yeah. um, in in the second story. Uh, it's not it's not as soon as the father's back is turned. Suddenly yeah. you know, the house is a tyranny. It's a, it's a gradual decline, yeah. which is which is exactly how uh, you know abusive situations yeah. and toxic family situations commence. It's a, it's this very real gradual. Yeah thing that occurs and it's that's that was that's real um radia hafiza's approach to this stuff is so clever but yeah. somehow she makes it feel so I, i'm a writer as well so effortless is the wrong word because effort goes in but it feels effortless yeah. it's it's so much is achieved so simply mm. and that I, I love that it's astonishing
1: and I think it really toes that line as well of, like, as you say, there's real trauma in it. There's real recognition of, like, this is an abusive, toxic situation. Um, but it doesn't, like, it still works and is still palatable for younger readers. It's not later. But if you stop and think about it for a second, like, Mesa as well, like, it keeps referring back to the fact that she doesn't know what anything in the outside world is. Yeah. And kind of, like, the trauma of that. Yeah. And there's just little drops in of, like, oh, yeah, no, I don't, like, I've never been outside before. Yeah, I, I'm, you know, there's a part, I think when the lad shows up and she's she's like, oh, I'm talking to another human being. I haven't done that ever.
2: There's some point in it where the subject of grief comes up. It's, It's one sentence where the truth of the pain of grief and loss is acknowledged, hmm. and then we move on with the story. But that was just a wonderful little moment.
0: Do you want to find it and read it out?
2: Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Oh, here we are. Losing a loved one is a strange thing. It can come upon you out of nowhere, knocking you sideways and changing the colour of your life for many years to come. It's just that line. Yeah,
0: that's beautiful. Yeah.
2: And then, then we're on, but that, that, fact, that, that inevitable fact of life is acknowledged in that one line, and we're on with the story.
0: And I think the fairy tale container is part of what keeps it palatable for even, I would say, quite young readers. I would say seven, eight up could mm. read this. and yeah. I, even, I mean, fairy tales have always had elements of horror, haven't they? And yet, we oh, think yeah. that they're completely appropriate for children. And they are, but that's because children can handle some horror. Um, you know? Like, And yeah. usually, in fairy tales, it's not addressed. You read a more traditional retelling of Rapunzel don't talk about that it's really weird that she's never spoke to anyone else. We don't talk about that impact on her really. I mean you know you know that she's sad she doesn't try to get out. i don't think
1: well it's the it's that the lad comes along and encourages her to come out
0: oh, in original Rapunzel, the lad comes along and gets her pregnant.
1: You'll have to remind me is it um he
2: she lets down her hair at his request and he goes up, she doesn't get away. Yeah. That's,
0: that's, he that's up. That's
2: the transaction. Yeah, yeah. By climbing up her hair.
1: Jesus.
0: You'd need a good system of pulleys. This is why this makes so much more sense. You can tie a hijab to the bedpost and out yeah. you go without ripping your roots out.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and she's still anxious about the physics, which I really appreciated.
0: Well, so she should be. It's really high. Um, I was going to say like it says that in A Thousand and One Nights there was a little booklet in it that told you how to pray five times a day because I was wondering so when you get introduced to Ramesa you know that she wears a hijab but you sort of think well she was stolen as a tiny baby and she's been raised Mm. by this white woman how does she know she's Muslim? Um, and Mm. it's just lovely that she's read herself in this book she sees in A Thousand and One Nights The women wear hijab and she's seen this little instructional booklet about prayers and it says, she didn't think Cordelia knew that booklet was in there, she probably wouldn't have given it her on purpose, but that she finds that the prayers five times a day really structure her day and really comfort her and it's this sort of really personal and private spirituality that really helps her through and that's something that isn't explored in traditional retellings of Rapunzel either, like what gets her through the day and what structures her time and like where does she find comfort I think it's just a lovely a lovely depiction of her faith and the way that she comes to it by herself i'm not a person of faith i don't have a faith but i do pick up things in books and make them part of my life and you know part of my routines and yeah, I think that's yeah. really lovely that she found that for herself and it's a even though she doesn't know it it's a connection to her culture and her parents that she doesn't get to know i
2: hate to kind of criticize anything but that's but my one criticism really is of the uh the book cover if i have one is that the uh the illustration shows that the tower that she's in is um one with islamic architecture yeah when i think i think um, a a, a european tower a a mediaeval european tower uh with this young muslim girl trapped in it would actually that that's the story yeah, 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 that's a really good point, actually. I
0: think it's beautiful, but you're right, it doesn't really tell the story.
2: Yeah, the cover does a different job to to, to let you know what the stories yeah. are like, but uh, I think that just that one that one thing would encapsulate mm-hmm. what the stories are about.
0: I agree with you.
1: Yeah, it's a marketing cover rather than a strict storytelling cover, isn't
0: it? Have we got any favourite characters?
1: Mine's Zabina. Zabina. I like Sabina because she's sassy.
0: Yes. Rob, who's
2: yours? It's Ramesa. Um It's partly her and it's partly the function she plays with the first story. But by the time I was on the second one, I was kind of keyed into what was going mm. on. But with the, with the, that first story, I was I didn't know where it was going and she was kind of my, my yardstick.
0: I'm going to go for Ramesa as well.
2: You're
1: going for Ramesa I, as well. I just
0: love her. I think... She's such a strong character. She's so complex. I like the way that she looks after herself, that she's very self-reliant, that she's, yeah, she's cheeky and she's naughty and she's very kind as well. So when um, Cordelia keeps feeding her oats and then one day she says, I've brought you a present. (laughs) It's a book. It's a cookbook. It's called, like, 101 Ways with Oats. Yeah. And Ramesa just wants something spicy or tasty. Like um, Sabina brings her some blackberries, I think, and she sprinkles them in the porridge, and the porridge changes colour, and she just feels herself drool over it. (laughs) Oh, finally, some flavour. I just think she's a character who's hungry for the world, and I I always fall in love with characters like that. Shall we do Scariometer?
1: We always do a where where does this sit on how scary is it oh fine oh that i, li- I like that um what's the, what's the scale it's a 1 to 10
0: 10 super scary 1 barely scary at all
1: i think our highest so far has had kind of guns and open wounds and broken legs
2: i wouldn't feel too bad reading it to my 5 year old nephews or my my ten-year-old niece can read it. She can, she can read, it, read it to me now. There was the part where they're going through the woods. It's. I. I don't. I don't think it's a scary one. I think it's uh, as long as you've got a, a grown-up
1: there with you. I think it's going to be fine. Yeah, I think that covers it for me. Yeah. yeah same as the. As the the witch the witch dying is is quite a scary bit.
0: That's probably the worst bit. Yeah,
1: I'd probably yeah. give it a three or a four or something. Mm.
0: I think. The packaging as a fairy tale immediately takes a point or two off on the scale because within a fairy tale, you kind of always know that the happy ending is coming. So even though you've got those, like, I mean, that chase scene is brilliant and that is, yeah, like, suspenseful and exciting, you don't actually think that anything really bad is going to happen to Remesa.
2: I do wonder actually like with the, with the death of Cordelia it's kind of one of the things, not scary but more disturbing for the grown-ups almost.
0: That's often the way of, with kid lit, it's often yeah. more scary for the grown-ups.
1: Because I think yeah, kids are more likely to go, oh good, the witch is dead, yeah. whereas grown-ups you have that slice of, oh that sounds like quite a nasty way to die actually That's, Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <just> <laughs> swallowed by a poisoned river
0: <laughs> oh, She mm-hmm. made that poisoned river, she entirely earned that death <laughs>
1: You made your poisoned river, now lie in it. (laughs) Cool.
0: So who's this book for?
1: Well, I think the obvious is, you know, it's for young Muslim kids, and particularly young Muslim girls, to see themselves represented, young brown girls, um, very directly. Um, But then, yeah, I guess as we've touched on, I think it's also a really good way in for it would be a good way in for white kids to read and it'd be really useful for them at a young age to read something where they're not the center of the universe and
0: that's really important um, as an experience for white children because if you're not careful like they never end up reading about anyone except people who are exactly like them and of course that's not as like big a travesty as never reading anything about you but it's also a poorer experience
1: and I I would say as well, you know, while it is very much a story for girls, I think it's a really useful one for boys in the same way. Mm-hmm. There's a little um, a blog that Radia Hafiza did for Pan Macmillan. At the end of that, it says, I hope Ramesa encourages whoever reads it to be whoever they want to be. I hope it makes young Muslim girls in particular feel seen and empowered to be the hero of any story they choose. Mostly, though, I hope readers enjoy the book. Yeah. Which I think just that is, it sums it up, doesn't it? It's like I'm doing yeah, all of yeah, these yeah. Like, big political things and I'm very definitely opening a door for you to imagine yourself in that. But also I'd like you to have fun yeah. <laughs> enjoy it.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: There was a lovely bit from that as well. I think speaking to that um, the defiance and playfulness, I think you can see the, the tongue-in-cheekness and I think it was from the same blog. She says... Um, I was actually told by my agent that one of the editors she had sent Rumesa to didn't think it was original enough. (laughs) I found this hilarious, but also telling about how hard writers of colour have to work to get their stories shared in comparison to their white counterparts. I don't imagine that white writers who do fairy tale retellings are original either, but there are plenty of those stories around. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point, (laughs) isn't it? Of course it's not original of it's Cinderella. <laughs> Everyone has done Cinderella.
2: This is her first book. Yes, I I know, I know. I'll be I'm I'm I, I I would never have come by it, um were it not for you guys. But um I'm really curious about what she's doing next now.
1: Well there's a sequel that's just yeah. come out. Has it? Oh really? <laughs> yes, yeah, so there is now um Rhumesa Ever After.
0: Brilliant.
1: Um I mean, this one really sets itself up for a sequel, right? Because Ramesa hasn't finished her story arc. Everyone Mm. else has kind of finished theirs. And by the end of this, Ramesa still has unfinished business.
0: It's been lovely having you. Thank you for coming on.
1: I've been looking forward to this chat for months. uh, Oh, great. So so thank
2: you very, very much for asking me on. It's been wonderful.
1: You're very welcome.
0: So that was episode 30 of Even the Trunchbull.
1: Thanks for listening.
0: Once again, if you've any thoughts on books you loved as a kid.
1: Or love now as a kid.
0: Let us know, or ask a grown up to let us know. We're at even the at gmail.com or catch us on Twitter and Facebook at Trunchball Pod and on Instagram we are at EvenTheTrunchable.
1: Intro music for this episode and every episode is What a Wonderful Day by Shane Ivers.
0: And remember, kids' books can be for everyone because we've all been kids.
2: Even the Trunchable.
0: Yay <laughs>